Hi guys, this is Jack Grimmer and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. I'm J-Mac, your host. I'm at the stage where I don't know whether to laugh or cry anymore. A terrible Penenka against West Ham, followed by two weeks off to an absolute shower 44 seconds in. This game was the most open game of football I've ever hated. Line-up foolery, unmarked runners, and Ivan Cavalera being Ivan Cavalera for 95 minutes. We did it, everyone. We fluffed another penalty. With me to discuss this madness and despair, but also some silver linings, are myself, Frenchie, and the prodigal son journalist Mark Wyatt. He has returned. The band's back together. Let's go. Fulham. Well, lads, it's been a while. I think uh, we all sort of joined Fulham Focus at the same time together. Uh, it's nice to see you all again, under, albeit predictable circumstances uh the lineup Frenchie let's just go straight there and we'll just dig straight into this that pretty I mean your thoughts at the beginning you were quite positive about the outcome of this game but then as soon as you saw the lineup everything changed to you didn't it yeah we did the preview podcast in the week and um, I'm always quite positive before the game I always like to think that we can get something out of a game and up at, right up until the lineup was announced, I think I, I posted into the group and said, yeah, we're going to win this 2-0. And then I saw the lineup. I was like, what? No Angisa, mm. no Mitrovic. I mean, this squad is really low on quality as it is. It's full of championship players. Let's let's be quite honest. It's full of championship players and Mitrovic, Loftus-Cheek and Angisa. So why the fuck are we leaving out the best players that we've got in this team? We're leaving them on the bench. And then when they're finally brought on later in the game, the commentators say, oh, well, you know, what great substitutions. They've changed the game. They've changed the game because they should have started in the first place. It's not good enough. Not good enough from Parker today, J-Mac. I mean, I'd like to think that maybe, I mean, potentially, Angisa and Mitrovic were rested because of their international duties. But Mark White, mate, welcome back. What what were your thoughts on this, sir? I mean, like, do you think that, were you all doom and gloom as well when you saw the lineup? Good to be back, first off. Thank you very much for welcoming me back. Um, very welcome, sir. Yeah, I thought the lineup was um, a difficult one. Uh, immediately seeing that Reed um, and uh, uh, Mara Lamina were, were next to each other, it, they're too similar of a player for me. So I thought that was warning signs. In terms of players coming back from international duty, I think there was a, a, enough chat beforehand to suggest that Mitrovic wouldn't start. And I think most of the pre-match chatter was around whether Bobby uh, w- would start up front on his own or, or whether we'd shift with, with, with someone else. But I think Anguissa not starting, um, it, it's a massive shame because that physicality he brings, it's so unrivaled at the moment in in that midfield as well. I think when Loftus-Cheek, he offers something very similar. But when you're starting without any of that and, and you can't really look to, to Kearney to provide it, I think immediately there were warning signs, weren't there? Yeah, 100%. And what's interesting is, as well, well, actually, I'll go to you, Matt, Claire, what you have to say about that. I want to ask you, Mark, right? We talk about players like Mitrovic. Oh, he's played a couple of games in midweek. He's been on international duty, so he needs a rest. Does he? What is he, 24, 25? Does he really need a rest? He's a professional footballer. He's an athlete. Why does he need a rest from doing his job? It's a good point, isn't it? I, I, I think there's always that kind of tendency to to say to a player that hasn't performed well, you know, oh, oh, it's just a, a fixture pile-up or, you know, they've travelled X amount of miles as if, you know, they're not just sat on on a, on a lovely plane, you know, in first class. But I think it's an easy excuse, but I also do 
understand that when Mitrovic does go to Serbia, I know he's one of those players that we know he plays with his heart on his sleeve and he's not going to ever give anything half-hearted, is he? So when he does go away and play two games back-to-back, I do think, you know, that is a serious effort from him. I also understand the, the argument that says, well, Deckard over Reed went out and, and went to Jamaica and, and played, you know, and, and, you know, even Hector's getting a game with Jamaica at the moment. So it's not as if um, mm. you can kind of, you can, you can go both ways with it, can you? So on one hand, I understand it. I, I think Scott Barker's got a, a decision to make considering that the next three games are, um, although they're against really difficult opponents, you, you've got to give a good account of yourself and you've got to keep confidence high. So I think maybe there was something like that in Parker's mind. He didn't want to risk uh, Mitrovic. And I think Bobby kind of, you know, proved himself a little bit. He proved a few doubts wrong. I think he started dreadfully, but he took his mm. goal well. And, and I don't think he'll have many naysayers after that performance. Well, let's talk about that dreadful start. And I just also want to say, you know, with Mitrovic going being on the bench and obviously being on international duty, possibly tied, possibly psychologically damaged from missing a penalty, whatever, is that I thought without Mitrovic in this side, we were going to take things a lot more tactically like we were against Brentford and other games in the championship. Actually respect Everton because they are actually a top four hunting team this season. They have Carlos Ancelotti, a fantastic manager. And I assumed that we would be a lot more cautious in this game. But in 44 seconds in, you've got the most naive pass from... Tosin Adarabayo, in my opinion, and arguably not helped by Bobby Reed after his, after the header from Aina after that. And you've just got Bobby Reed not tracking his runner uh, with Richarlison back, and the ball was in the net in the first minute. I mean, did you feel the worst after this, Frenchie? This was, I mean, I, mean I, I, I don't know. Was it the quickest goal we've ever conceded? I thought it was, but apparently not. I don't know. Oh, I don't know if it's the quickest goal we've ever conceded, but I was livid. It's just the same old story, isn't it? We're just... we. We switch off defensively from the beginning of games all the time. And I felt like we've made some progress in the last few weeks, especially since um, Joachim Anderson's come into the side. But this one today, it's just so frustrating because, you know, we kind of, we were the architects of our own downfall in many ways. We had kickoff. We had, we had possession of the ball. A ridiculous ball, as you said, from Adam Rabio across the, the face of the 18-yard the box. Aina's kind of headed it up in the air. Bobby Reed hasn't dealt with it. And Richarlison's run into the box and Bobby Reed's just stopped and watched him. And then before you know it, the ball's in the back of the net. Same old story, to be honest. It's it's bloody frustrating. And I hate to say it, but I'm going to. We defend like a, a team that's going down. Interesting. What are your thoughts on that, Mr. Wyatt, mate? Do you think there's any chance that Scott Parker needed to not be so... I mean... Almost too, I mean, you never know whether you'd say respectful or disrespectful to Everton here, because if you're respectful, you're playing. Do you see what I mean? I just feel like, we. why are we playing from out the bat when you can quite least, clearly see they're pressing us so high? But obviously, maybe an individual error from Tosin there. I'd just like to know your thoughts when you saw that Coco in, mate. Well, I, I think, you know, if, if that ball goes across from Adarabaya and it's, it's controlled properly and the ball goes down the wing like it should do, I don't think we have any problems there. I don't think the issue is is maybe our playing style because, you know, this is what is suited to this squad of players as it has been for the last, you know, four to five years under Jokanovic and now under Parker. So I don't think there's any reason to suggest that, you know, it's panic stations early on. I don't think they dealt with it in, in the best way. I feel sorry for um, Ariola out of everyone in that kind of back five uh, the most because he doesn't deserve defending like that. And, and he, he did pull off some great stops in that first half as well to keep us in it. But just to go back yeah, to that opener, I, I mean, it was a, just a comedy of errors, wasn't it? You, 
you struggle to put it into words when all of the build-up is about us conceding early in 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 the halves, and then we just go and gift that 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 sloppy kind of goal. And and what I think you know, Frenchy, you touched on it on it there. It, it's just that kind of lack of understanding and that you know missing that heading it up in the air and 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 missing misjudging the the run that Richarlison's going to make. It's those small moments that even in the first thirty seconds of a Premier League game, you you have to be on it from from minute one. And these guys have had enough time. Not all of those would have been sent out on international duty. They've had a lot of time to think about this game and prepare for it. They know that Everton and, and an Ancelotti side are going to be on them from from minute one. So what the what what is the point of, of trying to you know do a forty yard ping across your own across your own half? I mean, as soon as you see that, I think everyone knew what was coming. We've seen it so many times from you know previous defenses. It was kind of Tim Ream esque from that left hand side, wasn't it? But I think when you mm. when you put yourself in that position, the only thing you can do is, is you know try and forget about it and go ahead. And unfortunately, barring the the Bobby Rico, I just don't think we did that. I don't think we we adapted quick enough, and I, I don't think we deserved to. Um, to get anything from from that game based on that first half performance. I just remember Master Will Oakley on the WhatsApp group as soon as Calvert Lewin scored, saying, "Oh, I've got him on my FBO on my fantasy group," which is the most unhelpful uh, thing to say after after that first thing goes in. But what can you do? Will. I mean, <laughs> shut up, Will. Exactly. But you got so Bobby Reed actually, you know, fifteenth minute from that error to then actually scoring an equaliser and we were all kind of feeling a bit more relaxed again. It was a very tidy equaliser as well. I mean, a lot of us have been, speak of the WhatsApp group, a lot of us have been hammering in inside of that thing. I'd just like to know your thoughts on that. I mean, it was the perfect response, wasn't it, Mr. Proclair? Yeah, it was. Um, I, yeah, I, I think not only after the first goal uh, that Everton scored, but there were a couple of other moments in that opening kind of period as well where he'd given the ball away and just looked a little bit lethargic. And I just posted in the group knowing that I was coming onto the show tonight saying I'm going to hammer him tonight because I don't think he's <laughs> Premier League quality as it is. And I can't believe he's he's in our team. And you look at that lineup and you think, bloody hell, that's not Premier League quality. And Bobby Reed is the one that really sticks out like a sore thumb for me. Yet he is our top scorer now. And he stuck that ball away and he took it really well. And fair play to him. And as soon as he scored that, I said, all is forgiven. You know, legend, Bobby Bobby Reed, love him. <laughs> um, yeah. But... But but yeah, it's as a side, we're just too inconsistent. Uh, he's Bobby Reed's too inconsistent, and okay, he's he finished that goal really well, and you can't take that away from him. So yeah, good for him. What are your thoughts on this, Mister Wyatt? Mate, I'd just like to know because you know a, a few people are saying the sort of goal that Bobby scored this game was a goal that you wouldn't really see Mitrovic scored. There was pace involved. It was a lot of dynamic. I just like to know your thoughts because already people are crying out for that striker that we might get in January. People are thinking that we need someone else to, you know, stand next to Mitrovic potentially. I just like to know your thoughts on Bobby Reed as a striker because I think he's our top goal scorer now. I'd like to know your opinion on him. Yeah, I mean, you say it's not a goal that that Mitrovic would score. I don't think it's a goal that, that Fulham would have scored for the last couple of years. I think since... You know, going back to the Ross McCormack Moose and Mbele partnership, I don't think we've really had runners that go, you know, that's the split a defence or or play off of uh, of, of centre backs. I, I know Bobby's read, Bobby's read, Bobby's goal was, was you know, help. You know, he thought he was fortunate off that kind of ball that came into him from Kearney, and and, it, and he took a nice nice touch on it. But in terms of where he fits into this team, um, I think he struggled to 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 really find his place. He wasn't effective nearly as much as people hoped he would be in the championship coming off of of the wing. And so I think, you know, he, he shows his his worth in those moments. 
he had a similar opportunity though when the ball was played into him from the left and there he kind of scuffed his shot so I think you know there's experience issues there and, and I don't think he's the answer mm-hmm. to our problems interestingly I don't know if we'll go on to this later but I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek if we're trying to f- get a formation to fit in all the players that we want to which like I said we'll come on to later I think it could be yeah. worth a go putting Ruben Loftus-Cheek and, and playing him off of Mitrovic I don't think I don't but don't back the argument that, that says they're too similar to, to play with each other but I, I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek certainly got the the quick feet to handle that and and I think Bobby Reed is a it's a good impact sub. I don't think he's he's your leading marksman though, and I, I completely uh, completely understand why 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 we want to kind of dip into the transfer market in January and maybe bring someone in that that has those qualities that that we don't currently have. So Richarlison continued to cause us problems um, after this, even though we just equalised. Uh, but Ariola pulled off some re- you know a great low save, and I think for us this season, isn't it? Having a decent keeper really inspires a confidence in our defence, don't you think, Frenchie? I mean, I feel like. This is the player this season that I'm going to be crying about losing the most if we don't stay up this season, I think. I think Ariola is, and it's it's not particularly stiff competition, but he's probably the best keeper that we've had since Mark Schwarzer. Um, he inspires confidence behind the bat line. He commands his penalty area and he makes good saves as well. And, you know, he's, he's a great last line of defence. Whereas goalkeepers that we've had in the past, all right, Rodat was a good keeper, still is a good keeper, and perhaps he will be a good keeper for Fulham at this level in the future, um, or at the at the next level down if we do go down. Um, but I, you know me, I, I can't stand the likes of Sergio Rico, and I look back to that um, <laughs> that Premier League campaign that we had last time, and I know he made a few good saves, but it was just flapping at crosses. Whereas Ariola comes out and he grabs crosses, all right. Sometimes he punches them, but if he punches them, he punches them and they go. He doesn't just punch them up in the air. And whereas Rico used to kind of punch them and they they go directly straight up in the air and invariably would lead to a goal. So I'm a big fan of Ariola. And um, at the start of the season, I was I was disappointed that Marit Rodat lost his place without really doing anything wrong. But I think it's an upgrade for sure. Hmm. Absolutely. In the 29th minute, I mean, just talk about a save, unfortunately, I really wasn't able to make. This is when Iwobi... Now, it's it's really funny when we were talking about Everton and the, the, the players we should be watching out for. And Iwobi was never... one. This is the Fulham way. You, it's always a player you don't expect when you're playing against Fulham. And Iwobi just goes past Robinson, Lookman and Lamina like it's nobody's business. Iwobi passes to James Rodriguez, James Hames, who gets it to unmarked Digne or Dean, I don't even know how to pronounce these names anymore, but Dean to Calvert-Lewin, who scores his second goal from close range, it went to VAR, and it was a great goal, but is there much we can do about that, Mr. Wyatt, or was that? I mean, like, you know, Tosin maybe needs to be a bit closer to uh, to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but I I really think, I just do understand that you've got this left uh, wing-back, Digne, who is... I think the third highest assister for the Premier League so far, He, him and Nwobi just had an absolute field day of space, didn't they, this game? Yeah, and, and I think you, you've got it spot on there. I mean, Iwobi, by all means, is a good player, but he was made to look incredible this afternoon at points. And the reason is it, it, that stems from confidence and that stems from from starting well. And, and Iwobi would have just, you know, he would have been counting his lucky stars after those first kind of five, ten minutes when he realised he was going to get all of that space on that right-hand channel. 
Um, you know, Robinson wasn't getting any help whatsoever from Caviero. We all knew that was going to happen. Um, and, yes. and, and Robinson, you know, he's, I think for all of his fantastic qualities bursting forward, and I think he's got, um, I think he's got a good kind of eye, eye going forward. I think like so many of our left backs over the last few years, he does struggle going back. And, and I think Iwobi must've just been so pleased, you know, he, in in the, in the build up to that that goal, that second goal when he kind of he took it around a few players, that wasn't kind of some lucky moment for him. That 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 had been coming. He had been knocking on the door on that right hand channel, and and switch it over to the other side, and and you've got Olaena who it was caught ball watching way too many times this afternoon, um, sure. watching what was going on ahead of him and, and not paying attention. Um, it's not Bobby Reed's job to to get back there and 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 mark. Luca Dinier, although Lookman did a, a good job of pinning him back in the second half, but it, it, that all comes from the fullbacks again. Ola Aina needs to needs to communicate with uh, Anderson. He needs to be telling him that you know he's got Calvert Lewin and, and he can move out to that wide side to cover that that cross. And even when he does move out there, it's a half-hearted attempt to to, to stop the ball coming in. And then again, Calvert Lewin gets the space in between the two centre backs, like he did for the first goal, and, and this time he, he made him pay. And it, it was a comedy of errors again. Yeah, I mean, and you know, Calvert Lewin, who's the top goal scorer of the Premier League, just toasting. I mean, like, oh, look, I, I know, I know that obviously everything happens a lot faster. It's easier to say <laughs> than actually be on the pitch. But I, I feel that you know, you could have just been a bit more stuck to him, like glue for that situation. But really, it was Aina who had a real stink in this game, didn't he, Frenchie? I mean, I mean, it just absolute horror show, wasn't it? Yeah, I felt he was too far up the pitch uh, on a regular basis. When people were attacking him easily, he was caught ball watching and everything, all the attacks came down his side eventually. He just, he looked out of his depth for me. Um, I don't know how far off Kenny Tete is from um, from being back to full fitness, but, you know, Aina, he scored that goal against West Brom and we all thought he was great because he stuck one in the top corner, but defensively, poor today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and... His delivery as well into the penalty area was crap as well. So I just I, I thought he looked out of his depth against a better side today. Simply put, can I, can I mm. jump in there, J Mac? Of course, I I, I I think I think Frenchie's right there, and I think Aina looks you know way out of his depth. I do think there's a player there though. I do think he's he's showed enough that that there is kind of a, a reliable player there. But I think he like a many many other players in our squad need leadership and they need the right coaching um and whether that's going to come through a, a specialist coach or whether it's going to come from scott and his team uh, th- themselves something needs to be done because there are some simple simple errors that should have been cut out today and you know Olain has come from from torino and you know, it's it's not the kind of cliche to say that Italian defending is is kind of you know sit back and 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 and, and you know organised and in it, even if that was the case, we haven't seen that from Ayana anyway. But I think we also need to remember that that right back spot we haven't been blessed, have we? It, it's it's been a it's been a tricky spot, and and if Kenny Tete hopefully gets back as soon as he can, but if we have to go into the next month, two months with Robinson, I I don't think there's a there's a there's a, a massive worry. I just think he needs to be told exactly what he needs to do. And I think Anderson, for all his for all his strengths, I think he needs to show himself. One of him or Tosan needs to show themselves as a leader in that back five because this is five new defenders and and a goalkeeper who have come in together. One of them needs to be the leader in that in that area, and 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 it needs to happen quickly because those are the communication 
errors that can't happen against those teams that we want we don't want to drop points against. This is all very well, mate, but they are happening, and we're I don't know what are we is that nine or ten games into a thirty-eight game season now, and we're yep. on four points, four points, and there's there's no margin for error anymore. We can't sit here and say, oh well, he might come good. He isn't coming good. It's not good enough. And as things stand, we are we're going down and we're going down miserably at the moment with with very little to show for our stay in the Premier League this time. Um, so there may be a player in there, and you know if we if we go down and we sign him and he's good in the in the Championship, then great. But this season, it's no good to us. Mm. I mean, the Cyrus, the Cyrus Christie curse, as they call it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it was what is it? It's four points out of a possible. 27, I think it is. Yikes, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, look, if you missed that goal, don't worry, because five minutes later, the same one happens again. It's, you know, it's the same thing. A pass to a pass to James Rodriguez and then, a, you know, a lofty ball over to Didne again. And Didne gives a nice cross overhead this time. And um, Calvert-Lewin just headers it. I just, you know, just dreadful defending once again. I just don't really know what Scott had in mind with our tactics here, Frenchie, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't think there's anything else to discuss. It's the same old bullshit, isn't it? Oh, it's no good asking me about tactics. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I can't even remember the third goal. What happened with the third goal? Was it Calvert-Lewin or was it was it the other guy who scored the third one? Quite was it was it not Decore? Was it, it not Decore? It was not Decore, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That that yeah. header and it just again carved open. If if I knew what to do with that defense, then I'd be making more money as a football manager. I've got no idea what to do with that bloody defense. I don't want to know what to do with that defense. I just want the tossers who are paid the money to sort it out, to source it out, and then not. Um and we're getting to the point in the season now again where you're starting to look over your shoulder and think is is Parker up to it at this level? Um, you know, I, I always think back to that August podcast we did after we'd been promoted and said, well, Scott's come of age tonight and, you know, whatever happens, he should be given the season and we shouldn't be impatient with him. But if we lose a load of games, then we know that that's probably going to be what happens. And here we are. And... Do you know, I really blame Shahid Khan. I don't blame Tony Khan. I don't blame Scott Parker. Shahid Khan sits there and watches this right in front of his own eyes happen. Sack your son and get in a decent manager. Get in a Premier League manager. Get rid of this model. It's not working. It isn't working because it didn't work last time. And here we are again. Same situation, slightly different circumstances, slightly different players, but... We're on a hiding to nothing. We're going down. You're sitting there and you're watching it, mate. Sort it out. Yeah, and four new defenders and new goalkeeper in a starting lineup. It's kind of mad, isn't it? Um, and yeah, just to confirm, that was De Curry who scored that third goal for Everton there. Sorry about that. Now, look, another... The second half. Let's just talk straight away about this. It's another shit, shit penalty. Could, I mean, could things get any more embarrassing on that front for you, do you think, Mr. White? I mean, this penalty was thanks to Ruben Loftus-Cheek making an instant impact, which is a nice, you know, a lovely silver lining. I could talk about that in a minute. And you got Angisu came on for Lamina as well. But this was just a moment where I'd like to know what you were thinking when, <laughs> first of all, when Cavalera was picked himself to take the penalty and actually if you thought it was going to go in or not when he was running up to it. Well, We've all been here before, haven't we? 
we know what happens when you get into a run of, of not scoring penalties. I, I don't know when it was a few years ago when we had that atrocious run where, you know, 80% of our penalties we missed. And it, it's the same again. It's the same feeling. Whenever we get a penalty, you're just scared at the moment, aren't you? You just think, who on earth is going to put their foot through this? Who on earth is going to step up? This is yeah. when you need leaders. I'd rather not have one. A, a lot of fans have said that, haven't they? They said, I'd just rather, you know, get, let's, let's give up the ball. I'd rather... the, the, the that than save that kind of horrible, horrible feeling when when it when it just misses <laughs> again. I, I think it's difficult. I think first off, I think Mitrovic. I, I know he missed another one during the international break um, a, a, against David Marshall. Um, so I understand strikers feed off confidence. It's not something you want to see, to be honest. I, I want my striker grabbing that ball and trying to redeem himself and saying, no, I'm going to put this right myself. Um, I also think I want my captain doing that as well. But uh, as far as we're concerned, Tom Kearney can't kick the ball very hard from that far out. So apparently he can't do it either. So when Caviero picks it up, you, you kind of expect the worst again. Um, I don't know if there's been any kind of training done. I don't know if it's nerves. I don't know if it's just kind of poor technique or a mixture of, of all of the above because something's going wrong, isn't it? Um, mm. I don't know if it's something that's in the mind or, or, or genuinely we just don't have any penalty takers at the club who can specialise in that kind of thing. Um, but it, it, it's... Like I said at the start, there it's it's become that point where we win a penalty and you just think, oh, for God's sake, it's it's just it's going to be another headline, isn't it? It's 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 all that's going to happen. I don't think that I'm as angry about this penalty as I was about the Lookman one. But yeah, how was your wall this time? Yeah, the wall was fine. The wall was fine. There was no problems <laughs> this time. But it's when you when you look at it and you think, right, the last three penalties we've had. Mitrovic has put one over the bar. Lookman did the Penenka, and then Cavalero stepped up and slipped and stuck one over the crossbar as well. It's like, how's your bloody luck? For goodness sake. And if we hadn't missed those last two and Cavalero stepped up today and done that, then you think, oh, well, that's annoying. But the fact that it's come after those two penalties that, that we've previously missed, it just rings back to 16, 17 when we, when we couldn't score a penalty and, you know, everybody had a, had a go at scoring one and no one could score. And uh, at this level and, you know, this amount of points that, that we've got, it's, it's just, it's, it's not acceptable. And it's, and this could be a problem. Sorry to, to jump in on you there, Frenchie, but this could be a, think, yeah. a, a, a big problem this season, considering the amount of penalties we're seeing. If, if clubs are being awarded, you know, some people are saying three times the amount of penalties across the season and we yeah. can't stick one in the back of the net. Where's that going to leave us? You know, and these are big, these are massive points. You know, that's one drop today there with the penalty miss. We have the chef, chef, you one again, it, we're not four one down and missing a penalty. These are massive, massive moments in these games and, and it takes confidence and it takes ability. Sure. But it also takes just someone to take it by the scruff of the neck. And it, it's unfair on the, on the, on the Fulham fans who I feel for most, but I don't lie any kind of blame, uh, at any of the kind of answers that don't push it towards Scott Parker, because at the end of the day, you know, he's got a job to do and he's got to tell them, you know, buck your ideas up because that at Premier League level, like you said, it's just simply not good enough. The choice of well, we... Cavalera was awkward, wasn't it, for me? Oh, sorry, go on, Frenchie. I just think the choice of Cavalera was an odd one. I think we all had a huge discussion of who we thought uh, statistically would be the best. We all said Bobby Reed, or some of us said Tom Kearney. He's the captain. Give it to him, even though his record's not good. But just the choice of Cavalera was poor. I just I don't know. I mean, it must be Scott Parker who picks it. And I just thought that was just madness, in my opinion. What, what are your know. thoughts there, Frenchie? I don't necessarily think we can label the blame for that at Scott Parker's door. 
I th- okay. I think um, as a game unfolds, then whoever fancies it can step up and whoever feels confident to take it will grab the ball. And so we've seen it before, haven't we? You know, that Huddersfield game when Kamara said, I'm having this. And then he had that tussle mm. with Mitrovic. So I don't I don't necessarily think that it's um, it's decided beforehand, particularly in the current climate when nobody seems to have any confidence. So whoever fancies it at the time, all right, pick the ball and go and stick it in the net. Um, but we talked in the preview again the other day about who who do you think will take the next penalty? And Danny said that it that, that it will be Tom Kearney or should be Tom Kearney because he, he's the captain. And I think Don might have said um, that Lookman should have another go. And I said Ruben Loftus Cheek. And Loftus Cheek won the penalty today. He just come on, and I really I really feel like he'd be a good penalty taker for us um, if he's on the pitch. You know, just just give him the ball and and let him have a go and. You know, you're getting to the point now where you, you, everybody's kind of queuing up and as somebody misses, then it's the next person. Take a ticket. Um, but I, I don't think anybody would have said before today, who do you think is going to take the next penalty? I don't think anybody would have said Cavalero. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Loftus-Cheek because obviously he made a huge impact when he came on. He won us the penalty and he just a little lightning bolt of electricity into the squad as soon as he came on. He also had, like I said earlier, you had Lamina, uh, come off for Anguissa. I think Lamina, I, less said about this, the better, but he was one of the main stinkers in this game for me. I mean, I just overdoing it too much silk in all of his footwork. I just really not good enough. And maybe it's similar to what to what you were saying, Mr. White, that maybe too similar to Reed in that regard. Uh, too, too, too similar double pivot thing going on there. Sorry to say double pivot, Frenchie. Anyway, point being, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, well, give me your thoughts on that, Mark White, because you were saying how you thought, you know, maybe in the future we could actually have him play off Mitrovic because he... We should be playing him more, shouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy, let's not forget, who, who's got England caps under his name. And, and the last time a Fulham player represented England was Bobby Zamora, wasn't it? So, I mean, this is this is a guy with, with, with pedigree. He knows the league. I mean, we were well aware of it when he scored against us at the bridge a couple of years ago. This is this is a player who, if the money ball tactic has worked right, we've bought in for all the right reasons. And it, and, it, and it's showing on the pitch. He's, he's a good player. I've always think thought he was a fantastic player um he's graceful on the ball he, he that one two that he that he played with Mitrovic to get into the penalty you, you, you think how how does he do that he's a big old guy it's just kind of he goes past people doesn't he and, he and he's got that physicality so I think he's got to be the one of the first names on the team sheet when you're when you're looking forward um I think that the big question for Scott is how do you fit these players into the team though um I think you're right. I don't think Lamina did himself any favours today with with his performance. So I think you know he he drops out. I think Anguissa has to start, and I think Harrison Reed is probably the most likely alternative to go alongside of him. But then you've got Kearney and and Ruben Loftus Cheek, who you want to play through the middle. You've got Lookman. You've got the problem at, on the other side. What, what what do we do there? Do you force someone out of their position? Do you change formation entirely? I think Scott Parker's got some some really important questions to to pose to himself and and the rest of the coaching team because. Like you said, when a when a player comes on and, and you make those kind of substitutions and they do change the game and they do exactly what you think, then the fans and everyone else thinks, well, why are these guys not starting? So I I, I don't know if you think the same there, Frenchie, but I think Scott Parker's got a lot of thinking to do. I think this is the problem with the current model, isn't it? When you've got a director of football signing the players and then the manager's trying to make some sense of it. We've talked about this in the past and, you know, it's all very well. Tony Khan delivering a, a lovely Ruben Loftus-Cheek with a big bow on his head and saying, well, fit him into the team then. But, well, I can't fit him into the team. And that's that's the problem at the moment. And if I was Ruben Loftus-Cheek, 
I'd rather be sat on Chelsea's bench than Fulham's bench. I'd rather be, you know, competing with better players than the shit players we've currently got. Um, and it, it's just a, a bizarre situation. He must be thinking, what am I doing here? I can't even get into this team. It's one of the worst teams in the league. Yet at the start of the season, I was on Chelsea's bench competing yeah. to be in one of the better teams in the league. So what am I doing? It's it's just a weird situation. And he should be in the Fulham team this season. And he should be pl- trying to play his way into the Euros. And at the moment, he's behind a whole host of lesser players for me. I think... Well, Frank... You... Oh, go on, go on, Mark. I, I think... Sorry, yeah. I think when, when we compare him player for player with Kearney, who is, you know, playing in his role at the moment... I feel like there's a tendency in the fan base at the moment to kind of put Kearney in this in this little bubble wrap, and and when he when he makes some good passes forward, and and, and when he you know he he does something with the the flick, it's like oh we've got the old Tom Kearney back, or or you know oh he's finally getting good again. He he, he feels like he's in a in a new role. I'm I'm all for Tom Kearney having a fresh lease of life going forward, especially with Angisa behind him. I think that's fantastic for him, but I don't think it should be at the detriment of the team. And I, I understand that. That yes, as the captain, he he does that does hold quite a, a big kind of impact on the squad psychologically if you kind of bench the captain. But hmm. when you've got games like that where you're you're up against a midfield three, one of them being James Rodriguez, you know the the silky kind of touch, Allen, who's an experienced player, Decore, who's physical, and you go in that 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 midfield three of of Kearney, Reed, and 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 Lamina, it, it goes back to the lineup, doesn't it? It it, it just seems like the wrong decision from the outset. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, Tom Kenny made a really lovely assist for Bobby Reed's goal, let's not forget. I mean, th- there are some arguments to say that maybe we shouldn't necessarily rule out the option of making uh, Rubens Loftus-Cheek uh, a second striker sort of role, only because, I mean, Frank Lampard apparently has gone on record saying that he's worried about Ruben Loftus-Cheek's development with Fulham uh, because he's not getting any game time. But Frank Lampard has been saying that he's been tempted to use Loftus-Cheek as a striker when Giroud's form was down and... Abraham's form was down last season and Antonio Conte used him as a striker at one point as well I wanted to so I feel like maybe that could be a secret answer for us anyway let's Ruben Loftus cheat goal was sublime and and I thought that the assist actually funnily enough from Lookman on the right hand side for this half of the game was very good too so I mean it's nice to know that Lookman could play on the right if we want to change things up flip things up a bit I just want to know what you would take from Mitro's performance really quickly on this Frenchie does he look a little bit he came on and he looked like he had just so tired instantly to me. There was just a bit of a laboured quality about half flick-ons, just like really bad touches. Just I think Matt Dom said something like he reminds me of when he was playing for Newcastle, just a bit, you know, a bit slumpish. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think Mitrovic is the sort of player who will struggle to influence a game when he comes into a game from the bench. And, you know, if if he can start and he can bully defenders and use his physicality, then fine. But he's not an impact player. And it baffles me why he was on the bench today, to be honest. You know, if he's not fit or he's too tired, then don't have him in the squad. Otherwise, start him. I, I don't see the benefit of having him as a substitute. Fair enough. And what do you think the... the- what was the formation at the end, uh, Mr. White? I couldn't make hell or tell of it. Okay, people quite keep trying to explain it to me. I don't know. It just seemed like it was everyone just just fucking go up there. <laughs> it just seemed like four four up front here in a way, didn't it? I mean, it worked. Yeah. We looked really good. We were attacking them. But I didn't know. I couldn't tell you where Loftus-Cheek was playing. It was like a number eight mixed with a right wing or also maybe a striker. But everyone was just all over the place, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was a bit of a 4-2-4. And, and interestingly enough, I thought... Um, you could see at times Harrison Reed dropping 
back and 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 letting kind of Anthony Robinson just kind of sit at left wing really for for, for long periods yeah. in, that, in those last 20 minutes. Um, so I think that's obviously something that you can see, you know, when we've got the ball and when we're playing well. I mean, this is a team that I think we've, we're in the top half of, of, of teams when it comes to passes this season. Passes don't win you points, but goals do. But I, I think those signs are encouraging. But yeah, we're, we're, but Mark, it's, it to... to interrupt you really quickly, mate. Is yeah. this not part of the problem? And I will go to French on this after you as well. Is this not part of the problem? This fits in very well because we're about to get to the Scott Parker rating. Does it not seem to you that we only ever really feel like winning a game or actually have any energy under our asses when we start losing or it feels like all hope is lost to you? That's something that Matt Dom said as well, and I've stolen it. But I'd like to know your thoughts on that. It's quite worrying that to me. Well, yeah, I, th- I think you're completely right. And I think that's something that has kind of carried over from last season almost. I don't think we were, I, I don't think anyone would say we were convincing in our promotion season last year. I think we all, uh, I mean, going by how we were kind of approaching that Brentford final, it, there were almost mixed opinions on whether we even wanted to go up this season, weren't there? So that tells you all you <laughs> need to think of of kind of where the, 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 the mentality of the, the squad and the fans is at the moment. I don't think Fulham believe in themselves that they're going to take the lead in games, but I think that is what Scott Parker's got to deal with. And interestingly enough, I, I think it's it's you can change every single part of a team. You can kind of you can change that back five as many times as you want. It doesn't matter what year you're in. You can't get that identity problem away. And and if it it doesn't matter, we said about how Fulham still play in this kind of fluid motion. Um, this is a completely new team to the one that took on the Premier League last time. We're still struggling to kind of impose ourselves on matches. And, and like you said, we, we've, we seem to come alive when it's almost too late. And, and, and this is the problem. And Frenchie, you said it earlier, where you kind of get this, this problem where it almost feels like the, the players are just kind of wandering around and, and, and they don't really care about it. And you said about Mitro's kind of involvement kind of lethargic flicks here or there. There was a kind of a, a frustrated kind of arm shrug, which we've come so used to seeing from him now when things don't go his way. And like you said, if he doesn't, if he's not fit enough, he's not going to come off the bench and do anything. Don't put him in the squad. It's just a shame, Frenchie, isn't it? That this game feels like... It's a shame that a game against Everton feels like a must win when really it shouldn't, isn't it? I mean, it feels like... Out of all the games, the four terrible games we've got ahead, this one included, this was the most winnable. I mean, every every player on Everton's team today was better than us in every category, bar maybe goalkeeper. I maybe I think if you put Ariola in Pickford's position, that's a fucking fantastic team. So I can't really be disappointed with losing to Everton, but I think it's just the the sort of drama and and the forty four seconds and the missed penalties again that makes it even more worse, don't you think? It's, it is a disappointing result and. Yeah, Everton are a good side, but we're in the Premier League. There's a lot of good sides. And years ago, we used to beat good sides. And these days, we are behind before we've even got started in a lot of these games. Yeah. And um, I I, I don't see that changing in the next few games, to be honest. You know, Leicester away, uh, Man City, and then Liverpool. It's three defeats, isn't it? Let's be honest. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, if we got anything I, I, out of any of those games, it would be an absolute miracle. So, how how are we staying up this season with you know the amount of points that we've got at this point? It's it's just almost impossible, I'd say. What are your thoughts, Mark? Is it impossible? I, I think we're in the sort of end game already. To be honest, I don't want to be too low. Everyone's going to listen to the Film Focus podcast and be like, "Fucking hell, that's a bit depressing." No, but I'm, but I'm, I'm just I'm, norm- 
I'm normally one of the more positive you are. people, but um, I always try and look on the bright side, but I'm just trying to be realistic here and think, where are we getting the points from? And I said this in the preview again the other the other day um, to Danny, and Danny said, well, you know, we've got Brighton and we've got, you know, we've got some winnable games over Christmas, but have we? We're, we're not winning games. The only teams we pick points up against are West Brom, who are below us, and Sheffield United, who we drew against. Everybody above us has beaten us quite comfortably. Mm. So where, where are we getting the points from to stay up? Where are we getting the points from to stay up, Mark? Right, over to you. I, I don't think it's impossible. I, I don't think. and But I do believe that we are playing one of those... In the, we're in those one of those nightmare positions where you're kind of hoping that three teams do worse than us. Um, I think awful, this is yeah. a, I think this is a squad that is more than capable of staying up. Um, I think that was said too easily last season. Uh, sorry, not last season. The, the last season we're in the Premier League. People said, mm. you know, this squad is good enough to stay up. That wasn't quite true. It didn't turn out to be so anyway. But but this team, you really do believe that there is, you know, there's enough talent in there to 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 keep that team to keep that team up. And and I think we haven't done ourselves any favors in the way we act in the transfer market as always that's that's caused a big problem um we can say that as many times as we want and and you mentioned it earlier in the show that that, that tony khan has got something to blame there but the majority of that should fall at shaheed khan's door um i i think that kind of hangover if you will from the transfer window means that scott doesn't get to implement his ideas straight away it's a, it could be seen as an easy cop-out but i think when you when you lose that game three nil on, on the opening day of the season against arsenal and you look at how arsenal are doing right now you know Leeds have just picked up a very good point there i think mm. that is a game that you look at and if we'd have had the the right team ready from the start and and we'd have had all those players in the right positions i think this season could have been a lot could have been very different and i think in this year of all years, we could have stayed in the Premier League this year. We still can, but we could have given ourselves a seriously better chance of staying in the Premier League if we'd have got on our own house in order first. If we'd have sorted out our own problems and let the other teams worry about their own problems. If we could have just focused on ourselves, gotten our, our starting eleven ready as soon as we could have. Yes, being in the playoff final doesn't help anyone. It doesn't mean you can plan ahead. But in this year of all years, anything can happen. And it feels like we've just approached it with the same old kind of panda, bringing a couple of lone players to suit them, grab a couple of defenders. Let's try and rebalance the books a little bit, send a few players out on loan. And let's be honest, prepare for another season in the championship when we go back down, because that's all it looks like to me. And, and like you said earlier, the blame's got to go as high as it can do on this, because we're being run like a business and not like a football club well this goes perfectly to the parker rating let's get it really quickly from you frenchy what, what would you give parker for this game some yeah not i'm not rating him for this game i'm fuming i'm fuming with the lineup that he put out i thought he put out a championship lineup he left our best players on the bench and fuck him i'm i'm not i'm not giving him a rating lovely well that's the first that's exciting isn't it there's no rating well, what about you mark what, what would you give scott Parker for this is this out of five or out of ten? It's out of ten, mate. It's out of ten. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to give him a, a, a four out of ten. I don't agree with the lineup, like Frenchie said. I think the substitutions, although they were the right substitutions, they came too late, and I don't think he was brave enough in making those decisions early on. I agree with what Frenchie said about um, Mitrovic, and if he, if you're going to start him, start him. And if he's not fit, then then leave him out the squad. Um, I think Scott Parker's fantastic in in a, in a lot of different ways, and and I think. Rightly so, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be going through his neck um, 
after that result, even if his neck is surrounded in a gorgeous Charles Tirrett tie. Um, however, <laughs> I, I, I think there's a, I think there's, there's there's bigger fish to fry here. I really do, and and I know I'm not too many fans will agree on this, but I think Parker deserves the season, um, and. I'm, I've never been one for liking the sacking of managers in, in, in any case of it. Um, but I think personally, I think we need to give him a bit of time. I think, I think this, this team, I think it's got enough in it. And I think if we change up now, I think we'll only have ourselves to blame. We've shot ourselves in the foot so many times over the past few years. Um, I don't think if we accept we're going to go down, then I'd rather, I'd rather go down fighting and, and knowing that we'd stuck to, to our laurels rather than kind of, gambling again like we did last time yeah i think i'm gonna give uh, scott parker a four uh based on what both of you are saying the substitutions in my opinion were should have been at half time the lineup was terrible i don't like no, the, mate, no, mate. The, picked... the substitution should have been before the game that's what he there got you are. Wrong. That's the point. <laughs> yeah that's the point. yeah yeah i i, I the thing is I really respect Scott Parker and I like him a lot. I always have done. I think he's an amazing uh, footballing brain, a really good sports psychologist or enthusiast or motivator for sure. I just don't really know whether or not he, I don't know if I want him to take us up next season. I don't think he, I don't know if I think he can. So I I just, and I really don't, I don't believe that we're going to get relegated and he's going to survive somehow. But I, I, I know what you're saying, Mark. I really do. But I, I feel if, if we lose four, if we lose three, one or two nil against Leicester, I do think it could be curtain to him. I really do. I really do. Just, you just right, lads. What, what Khans have got up their sleeve. That's you it. You, you can't second guess them because every time we've been in the Premier League so far under their, um, their leadership, they have, they've sacked managers and, you know, we can sit here and say we want Scott Parker to stay all we want. I, I, I like Scott Parker. I like what he's done for the club. Um, and I think he's a good figurehead for Fulham. I, I, I like his ethos. He he got it wrong today, undoubtedly. But I I don't know how long he's going to last under, under the Carnes. And you just wonder what's next and who's next. And is it an upgrade? And it worries me because they've got it wrong almost every single time in the past, apart from Scott Parker, really, um, and Slav. They've they've got it wrong, so it, it does worry me. But we'll see, I suppose. We'll see. We might find out as soon as you know the end of next week. Who knows? Who knows? Right, lads. I think I'm going to call it a day. There. It's love to see you both again under such awful conditions, but love to see you nonetheless. We will be back. We will be back next week with a lovely preview for Leicester. Frenchy, who will be with you this episode? Do we know? Uh, I think it is Baldo and oh. uh, and Ben. I think. Okay, well, that's all right. That's not too bad. That's that's yeah. good. It's That's something. It's your polished turd for the Winwing game. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much to everyone of you listening. We appreciate your support. If you want to support us a bit further, please tell your friends about us. Keep subscribing on iTunes, on Spotify, and just, yeah, we're on Twitter, on Facebook, we're on all social media outlets. Thank you very much, and see you for the next Fresh Hell next week. Goodbye. <laughs>